0: Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great day out there. It was a good day for our markets today, despite the fact that we just entered the Biden recession. Yes, we'll say it here, even though they refuse to say it elsewhere. As this morning, we got back Q2 GDP numbers coming in. Much worse than expected, estimates were for 0.3% growth. Instead, we had a negative nine-tenths of 1% decline in GDP this quarter. Now, of course, I'm sure you've seen it by now that this White House is trying to, you know, play games of smoke and mirrors here by saying that's not really the official term for a recession, right? Back-to-back quarters of negative uh, GDP, you know, Sure, you could say it's not the definition of a recession, but it's been used as a rule of thumb for decades, right? So now when they're in power and it doesn't benefit them, they don't want to use that way anymore. But you can guarantee if Trump were still in office right now, no one would let that slide. Every mainstream media outlet out there would be saying that, yes, this is a recession. That's how you define it. And we we're not going to differ from the old ways of doing things. Now, that's just time and time again, from the left, when it doesn't benefit them, change the definition and move on. Uh, So yeah, we're not going to give the Biden administration a pass on this one. Although I will say, as Kip has talked about, and I've talked about here a lot as well, yes, we are seeing an economy that is slowing down here. And yes, we did have very rapid growth exiting coronavirus insanity in lockdowns, right? Very rapid growth. So now we might be in a period of normalization. And as we see it, you know, so many aspects of our economy, yes, are slowing, but still remain strong, whether it's transportation, employment, the housing market, right? So many of these things aren't necessarily in a, in a full on recessionary environment just yet. So, Even with that said, the back-to-back quarters of negative GDP, we're going to call it a recession because it's exactly what they would do to us. So we're playing the game a little bit here. But the good news about this is that typically when a recession has been announced, right, typically the stock market has already bottomed by that point. Because the stock market bottoms roughly three months ahead of the economy. We've talked about that here a lot as well. So now as we see it, it's time to get the rally into the midterms going here. The Dems are going, and really the left is going to be calling the plunge protection team to give them any chance of hope that they have at all going into the midterms. If we can get a strong stock market rally between now and then, better than expected inflation numbers between now and then and a strong jobs market that all all of those things help the dims chances into the midterms. Then they can go right back to their intentional destruction, which is exactly what we've seen it and called it here from the beginning. Seen a lot of people really jump onto that train. I mean, we've been saying that here since March of 2020 when Trump was still in office, right? They were trying to destroy the economy under him as well. But, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make as much money as possible to take care of ourselves in the meantime. So be sure, come and join us here at VRAinsider.com and we'll show you how to crush Mr. Market. But then, looking to some more economic news that we got today, we got two bills looking to be passed by Congress now and signed by the President here soon. Both of these bills will help add liquidity to, into this system, making it, you know, a perfect little jump for our markets here, going into the midterms as well. So the first one, Kip talked about this one here a lot, the semiconductor spending bill. You know, really a great idea here to strengthen our domestic manufacturing of semiconductors, help end our reliance on China, Chinese manufacturing for these things, Taiwan's manufacturing, of semiconductors. So really a great strategic bill here, actually a bill that we would support from a serious government, right? These are things that our government should be doing. Now, I will say that there are plenty of excesses in this bill, plenty of pork for pet projects for the left, especially. So it's going to be very wasteful, right? (laughs) The government is never the most efficient in these scenarios, but all in all, we'll call it a win here to, to the most extent. The second bill, not so much. I mean, it, it's almost laughable, right? This bill worth hundreds of billions of dollars calling it the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And this bill is everything that you would expect from an inefficient and incompetent government, right? It's like we've seen mistake after mistake after mistake, waking up every day, seeing a new mistake, from this government. At what point do you look at it and say, these aren't just mistakes. This is intentional, right? Essentially what they're going to be doing here is extending the same policies that got us into this inflationary mess and keep those going, right? Different types of stimulus, unemployment benefits, giveaways, handouts for people who will vote for Dems. I mean, everything about this is a terrible, Terrible idea. Let's take a look at a few items in this bill. Okay. First we set up a new corporate minimum tax of 15% for any profits over $1 billion for a company. Okay. You know, I'm all for corporations that are making a lot of money to pay their fair share of taxes. You know, there's so many loopholes in the system right now. Fair enough. But this type of policy here, when you start to look at it, you can, you can tell this isn't about corporations paying their fair share. This is a regressive tax policy here. The kind of tax policy when you're entering a slowdown an economic slowdown, you don't want to be raising taxes because first off, we don't have a tax revenue problem in this country. We just don't. We have a government spending problem. The IRS takes in plenty of money every year but the problem is on the spending side, right? Has been for years. Um, But the rationale, in my mind, seems almost unacceptable. This idea of a 15% corporate tax was floated by these globalist, elitist, communist organizations like the World Economic Forum saying that we need a 15% global tax on corporations, right? One world government to tax it all. How are they going to enforce that? Who knows, but I'm sure we'll figure it out along the way. But why are we doing anything? You know, one of the, one of the, somebody said this, that it's about, you know, getting in compliance with these types of global terms. Why are we complying with these people who don't have our country's best interests at heart? This is another America last policy that we're implementing here. Um, <laughs> overall, I mean I think that our forefathers would be astonished about where the tax system has gone. Remember they they fought a war for separation from Britain over I think it less than a 3% tax on tea. I mean so yeah they're rolling over in their graves right now and in the words of Rand Paul, we should dismantle the IRS. Dismantle it entirely and replace it with nothing. That's how simple the tax code should be. That anybody should be able to file their own taxes. You shouldn't need an accountant. Maybe a, a when you're processing billions of dollars from a corporation, you need an accountant, but the everyday individual, even everyday business owner, you should not have to have an accountant just to file your taxes. Absolutely incredible. But again, what's most shocking about this is we're clearly entering an economic slowdown at the very least, if not a recession, and at the same time, we're not only raising taxes now and uh, you know, this bill is massive. So we'll continue to go through it and report on it here. Uh, Biden said that again, it won't raise taxes on eBay, making more than $400,000 a year. Okay. It's going to, it's going to affect everybody, right? When you start to tax businesses more, that is less incentive for those businesses to go make new investments, to go hire new people, to raise salaries, right? These are the unintended, consequences of tax hikes. Uh, You're giving, you're taking money from the most effective and efficient part of our society and giving it to the least effective and least efficient part of our society, the government. (laughs) Exactly the wrong policies for this time while we're also raising interest rates. You look time and time again throughout history where you start to see an economic slowdown and you start to hear about uh, a government that's raising taxes, raising interest rates. That's what sends you into an actual recession, into a depression. This is the wrong time to be doing all of these policies. But what else would you expect from Obama's third term? We've said that since day one, it just solidifies it more and more every day that this is the slow growth, big government growth type of system that they want for us here a stagnant, stagnant economy with more government regulation. So I will say though, as Kip talked about as well, the fed meeting yesterday, you know, maybe J Powell, one of his best ones so far. We won't have another fed meeting until September. We've got a lot of economic data coming out between now and then. We've got the PCI data also coming back out tomorrow. If we get a low number there, you know, it really could be off to the races next week. Um, but, as we see it, that was likely the last big rate hike that we're gonna get from the Fed and very likely could be the last rate hike period from the Fed, so we would like to see that. Also, last thing that's in this package here, I had to point this out, are, you know, so, so much of both these packages aren't really going like the inflation reduction bill, right? It's going to climate change, uh, come on. There's a new EV subsidy Are uh, they extending it, one of the two, but this directly hurts. Consumers, right? Under the guise of a discount. Okay, so here's what it is the bill says you can get a $4,000 tax credit for buying a used EV now. It used to only be on new electric vehicles, but you only get that on one condition that you buy it through a dealer. So, you know, these auto dealer lobbyists that make so much money because If you don't have a dealership, you can't sell cars, right? It's why Tesla has opened so many stores in states where they sell vehicles so they can sell directly to the consumer. Without a store in that state, you cannot sell your cars. It's the most, I mean, I'm sure it was filed with good, that law was made with good intentions. What do they say? The road to hell was paved with what? Exactly. It's a terrible law. It it stifles a free market and helps a, a minority in our economy. So really this EV subsidy is only an incentive for auto dealerships. If you have a used vehicle and you want to sell it to somebody, they don't get that $4,000 credit. You have to sell it to a dealer and then have them resell it to somebody else. If you sell it privately, you're literally, or you buy it privately, you're literally losing $4,000. So it's a disincentive. Absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I say unbelievable, it's what we come to expect now, though, right, from these people, these cronies in our government, makes it abundantly clear that our government is a criminal organization under the guise of a democracy. I don't think that there's any debate left on that. If you have some some thoughts on that, please come and tell me. But, as we've seen time and time again, criminality is prosperous. And in the words of Frank Herbert, the author of Dune, What uh, just fantastic series, right? If you've read it or seen the movie, the movie was fantastic as well. But in the words of Frank Herbert, criminality is prosperous, and the position of authority is the most prosperous criminal position available. These people are criminals, folks. That being said, it's not hopeless. We actually remain extremely optimistic on the future of America, on the future of our economy, and for all the reasons that I just laid out, these are so abundantly obvious, glaringly obvious, you know, policies that work against the American consumer, uh, work against every citizen here in our country, that we're seeing a massive red pilling here in America. People are waking up all over the country to the fact that our leaders don't have our best interests at heart. Left or right, we can all agree on that. Um, so. Going forward in this country, again, we remain extremely optimistic on that. And getting, we just got to get these people out of our way. Trump proved it. All we have to do is get the government out of our way. We'll be back off to the races in no time in this country. We can reverse this quickly. I have full faith in that. So that said, again, come and join us here at the VRA. Because for us, it's not all doom and gloom out there. If you take the right steps now we see an incredible opportunity to make a tremendous amount of wealth over the next 10 years for you and your family. Uh, our new book is coming out next week. So come on, sign up, be one of the first ones to get a copy of that, the big bribe where we show you how the Dow Jones is going to melt up to a hundred thousand by 2030 and how you can take advantage of the VRA investing system to make even more money there as well. So, to our markets on the day-to-day again these two spending bills should add some liquidity to our system helping fuel this melt up into the midterms and more economic data on the way today as we continue with the busiest week of earnings for q2 so far apple and amazon both reporting earnings after the close amazon actually missed on earnings per share but reported a stronger than expected revenue and big guidance for q3 the stock is up over 12%, excuse me, in after hours now. I mean, think about that. A a trillion-dollar-sized company up 12%, absolutely massive, right? Intel, on the other hand, did miss. Stock is down pretty big. You know, this has been a pretty unloved company in the semiconductor space here. So, you know, not a major deal. I don't think that The rest of the semiconductors are experiencing a lot of the problems that Intel is having right now. And then Apple reported last year, just before I got on the podcast, looks like a beat on earnings per share and revenue estimates, not massive or anything, but still a strong quarter and they expect growth to continue. Apple stock is up over two and a half percent right now in after hours. As I mentioned earlier tomorrow, we also get the PCE inflation number. You know, if we get a better than expected number there, could be really good for our markets as well. So looking at our markets, it was a strong day across the board. This morning though, you know, really looked like it could have been a rough session, but our markets rallied, bulls took control here, and we actually finished near the highs of the day today. That's the pattern we've seen now for the last couple of weeks. We wanna see it continue here. And I will point out that our major indexes are reaching overbought levels, we aren't quite too extreme overbought, Um, especially not on our longer term VRA momentum oscillators, maybe a little bit more overbought on the short term ones. But what I really like about what I'm seeing right now are these chart patterns. They're really starting to shape up. Across the board here, we're seeing higher highs and higher lows. Today, we got a lot of that yesterday, and today we got even more of it because the NASDAQ didn't do that yesterday, today, we just hit fresh a month and a half, two month highs for our major indexes. So good to see seeing it across the board as well from our sectors and the semiconductors. So good to see. So leading the way today, we were small caps of 1.34% to 1,873. We were followed there by the S and P 500 of 1.2% to 4,072. Next up the Dow Jones or sorry, NASDAQ up 1.08% to 12,162. And lastly, the Dow Jones up just over 1% to 32,529. And a few other quick hitters here today that we see as important, transports up nicely today. As a VRA leading economic indicator, as I mentioned earlier, it's one of the areas that on the fundamental side does not look like a recession. This, the transport sector has remained strong and again, not signaling a recession yet. Up over three percent for the sector on the day today. On the GDP news, we also saw yields continuing to fall. I mean, this has been a big collapse in yields quickly here. The the ten-year yield was down another almost two percent today to a two point six eight. Just over a month ago, we were at we were above a three. We've fallen twenty. 3% in the 10-year yield since June 14th, now hitting its lowest level since April there. Uh, An and incredible drop here. And have you been tuning in with year? You know, we've been saying for some time, we're looking for lower rates. And as Kip talked about the other day as well, negative rates here in the United States. We fully expect that over before 2026 here in the US. While most economists are calling for higher rates, we love taking the other side of that one here. Also today, the VIX fell almost 4% on the day, down to a 22 now. That's its lowest level since April. Next up, looking at our internals on the day today, good numbers here pretty much across the board, Uh, and earlier in the session when our markets were negative, the internals were holding up nicely. That told us as a tell that this market wanted to head higher from there. Advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, positive on the NASDAQ, over three to one positive on the NYSE. 52 week highs to lows, you know, continuing to come in negative, almost flat on the day for the NYSE. We'll take that as a win. Um, This is a lagging indicator, right? When you're headed towards 52 week lows, you're gonna have more 52 week lows than 52 week highs. Pretty simple. And it takes a little time for that to get better. But now we're getting back to even here. Uh, You know, it'll be good to see some positive days coming up from this indicator soon. And then lastly, volume strong as well, coming in over two to one positive on the NYSE and nearly three to one positive for, or sorry, two to one positive for the NASDAQ, nearly three to one positive for the NYSE. Finally for today, our BRA commodity watch, precious metals really showing some serious life here as it's starting to look like we may have seen a peak in the dollar. It might be a little too soon to call it. The dollar just hit its high on July 14th, so 14 days ago. Not trading days, full 14 days ago. And if you look at the charts, though, you know, back through time, when when the dollar has peaked, it usually marks at or near the bottom for precious metals and for cryptocurrencies. You know, in 2017, when the dollar peaked, both gold and Bitcoin had a big rally from there. When the dollar started to make a comeback from 2018 to 2019, that's when we got... The, crypto, the first crypto winter, and gold sold off as well. And then similarly, in March of 2020, when the dollar peaked, gold and Bitcoin were back off to the races as well. So we've seen a dollar peak here. We think it's extremely bullish for precious metals and for cryptocurrencies. So looking at them on the day, let's get a, a final read here. I actually didn't have the screen pulled up, so let me pull it up here. Love the investing.com app. If you don't have it, highly recommend it. Gold now up over 2% on the day to $1,753 an ounce, but silver really got me diving deep into this research today. Silver up a massive 7.45% now to $19.98, trying to get to $20 an ounce for silver. And this, I mean, silver has been so oversold, so beaten up, uh, it's due for a really big rally. And we started that today. Next up, copper, up 1.86% to $3.49 a pound. And lastly, oil, really pretty much flat on the day to $97.30 a barrel. Finally for today, Bitcoin. Again, as I said earlier, really interesting charts lining up here for Bitcoin. Uh, So we continue to get the dollar to fall. We see Bitcoin rallying from here. Bitcoin now up 5.8% to 24,107. I believe that's the highest level For Bitcoin, I mean, let's see here. Let's get a a final chart on this one while we're here, right? And then, uh, you know, this has been a long podcast already, so we'll let you go. But that's its highest level at 24100 Okay, so it did get a little bit higher there in July. We're right back to those levels pretty much. Um, But that's where it peaked. So if we can get a breakout here, breakout through this resistance, look out above for Bitcoin as well. Folks, that's all we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.